and welcome to episode 384 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Hey, Seth, doing well. Uh, the question is, how are you doing this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, yeah. So, so Krim and I were at uh, Command Fest Richmond this weekend, and it was a blast, and we're going to talk about it, but oh my god, I'm so tired now. It was a super long, but incredibly fun weekend. Uh, I mentioned Grim. We got another co-host, and Grim, how are you today, Grim? Um, well, mostly good. Uh, <laughs> as you could hear, I was, you know, the convention was very loud. Uh, so I had to pretty much be yelling. And, and then when we had lobby con at the end of each day, which meant that, you know, even though the hall closed, the party never stopped. And so there was more yelling. So all, all weekend, it sounded like I was just hitting puberty with my voice cracking. Plus, Krim just lives a very adventurous life. I realize hanging out with you this weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're the wild card. We decided, Krim. You're the. I don't know if you've ever seen that Always Sunny episode where Charlie is like the wild card. That is that is you in the group. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you know what? That makes a lot of sense. I mean, new, new city, right? You got to explore it and whatnot. New city, tons of new places to leave your phone, maybe. Uh, so yeah, there's all, all kinds of things to experience. Uh, that's, anyway, that's so we're. Gonna True. <laughs> anyway, we're going to bounce around today. We're going to start off talking uh, about Command Fest Richmond since Krim and I were there this weekend. There's a modern tournament. There's some pioneer tournament stuff. A question from Aaron Forsyth about what kind of boosters everyone likes. And then fish mail, of course. So that's kind of the overview for today. Before we jump into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your magic collection and their curated shipment service that lets you sell your value cards with a reduced service fee for a while now and as long as your cards have a retail value of at least two dollars you can send in as many as you want and still just pay a five percent service fee and as with all of card conduit services you don't got to sort your cards you don't got to grade your cards you get to skip all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship it out and you'll even get a detailed report with the results see and check out card conduits curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and right now you need to get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic card so thank you to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk a little bit of magic so uh richard you couldn't make it to command fest richmond krim and i were there though so uh krim what do you think about this event this was the first command fest back since the big break for the pandemic what was your general thoughts on it? Uh, so, I mean, this was like a pretty major return, right? I mean, we had, it was the first Command Fest back. On top of that, it was a Baldur's Gate pre-release weekend. Um, and yeah, like it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I think that it was a blast of an event. Um, like just the, the Baldur's Gate limited portion. I mean, I, okay. We, we just talked about how low the power level of the set was, right? And it, it is, it is, I still think, like, in a constructed sense, the power level of the set was kind of meh, but, like, the gameplay of the limited format was way more fun than I thought it would be. Um, drafting, like, two cards and then building a commander deck out of it. I actually played green. I forced teamer dragons um, because I had the commander, the, the teamer clone dragon copy one. Uh, and then I got to meet so many people and signed so many opposition agents. 
Uh, and, like, no, seriously, I signed so many of those in boluses and, and, uh, 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 whatever the, 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 I already forgot the spell. I love it so much. And I forgot the spell, the seven mana theft effect, blatant thievery. Um, and yeah, like it was just really fun, but there, there were some things I really wanted to, uh, shed a light on. It was really awesome how, how much of a tight ship it was, like it was when it came to masks, uh, and, and, you know, like vaccines and all, like vaccine checks and all that. Uh, there, then there, but there was one slight thing that I thought was kind of weird, which was how few tickets there, there were prizes going on, right? With the prize wall and all of that. And I thought it was kind of weird how little, how few of tickets were given out in prizes. Uh, considering that the, the price of like the prizes were a bit high. And I think that's because when you think about it, you think like GPs, you think about all that stuff, right? You have the channel fireball stuff. They have a prize wall, but those are like 60 card formats, right? That like, and when we're talking about constructed, the limited formats are 40 card formats, right? So the games you're getting three rounds in, you got a lot more magic in, but when you're playing four person pods in the draft, you're playing four person pods, obviously in commander, like a hundred card formats, you don't get as many games in. So it felt like that's why all weekend, like I remember I, I won my, what, like my pre-release stuff. Uh, I, I won some pods of casual games and whatnot, but I just gave out my tickets. Wait, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Yeah. So can you break down like what it costs to play? Like how much did it cost to enter the event? And like, how did the prize breakdown go? Like, did you vote on who got tickets or was it the person who won? And then like, what did it cost for? I don't know, like a booster box at the prize wall, something like that. Well, what did it cost? Everything. Richard. No, I just had a quote. I just had to quote the Avengers. Uh, uh, so I, I, I believe. All right. So if you played a casual game, I think everybody got like 60 or 80 tickets, no matter what. Uh, if you won or lost, showing up at the pod got you 80 tickets. And then if you were talking about pre, uh, the, the Baldur's Gate pre-release, um, that was, I think, everybody got initially, I think, 50 tickets, but the winner got an additional 100. And the oh, winner wait, being so the last person standing or like yeah, the vote-based winner? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, like, like, there was, there was like, either it was like 60 or 100. It was like a, an additional 60 or 100, uh, if you want. I, I don't remember, to be honest with you. I just remember it was some low number. Uh, and then, and then like, cause you think about it, each round, like each pre-release that would fire, right? You would get two rounds essentially. Cause I was like, Oh, only two rounds. But then I played one pod and I realized I, we were already in time and I, and I was lucky enough to steal the victory on the last turn. So yeah, like it, it, it and price wise, what it costed, I'm not actually sure because I, I had, everybody got vouchers for their badges so, like, I believe if you bought a badge, you would get like four on-demand pod badges, and then you could, and then at least for me, you got four on-demand badges along with one entry into a pre-release. So, 
I actually, Seth, do you know what each person got, like, if they paid? Yeah, so so I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the website right now, actually, and it looks like if you, uh, when you buy your badge, you're getting, like, for a one-day badge, you're getting two on-demand vouchers, and if you get the three-day badge, you're getting four of them, which they have listed as, like, $10 each is the value, although then later on the website, it says it's $20 to play a four-player casual commander I guess like scheduled event. So somewhere between 10 and $20, depending on exactly what event you're playing for the casual ones. And then pre-release, I think is $30 is what it costs to do a pre-release event. So my question though is like, do we even need that? Like, so I went and I just played, there was kind of two halves to the hall. One half you had all the tournament stuff going on and the pre-releases and the events. The other side was just people playing commander. And I kind of just hung out in that area and just, all day just jam games with people and got in so many games and met so many people so how many people were on the 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 event side like do we need these like pseudo tournament events to have command fest work or would command fest be fine if you didn't have any of this stuff and you just went and hung out and played commander with people and you know had a good time and talked and met people like i don't maybe the prizes not being good is okay for commander because commander is not about tournaments anyway or maybe that's my just like super casual bias coming through and other people like love playing the events so i think i mean i think the rationale is this if you're not saffron olive or the asian avenger you're not going to have people coming up to you to play a game right so you have to yeah pull the con special of like writing a sign of like looking for a game power level <laughs> five or something and like running around trying to find a game so uh you pay for basically the con organizing the pods and firing them off for you. And, you know, it is a little expensive, but I think that's what you're supposed to be paying for. Uh, because if they didn't have that, you, can you imagine, like, organizing into pods? Like, it, it'll just be a mess, right? So that's the theory. But, um, you know, if, you, if you're very social or you have a lot of friends or you're famous, then, yeah, you can just fire off pods willy-nilly, no problem, right? So it's an interesting duality. Like, what do you think of that model versus... You just pay like a fixed cover fee to enter the hall and then all games inside are free, like like a true so, convention. So this so this was kind of both because you did have to pay the cover fee to get in. I think it's fifty bucks for one day and a hundred and forty for three day. So you had to pay a, a somewhat high cover fee, and then if you wanted to play the events, you could you could also pay extra to play in the events. Although like like we said, you do get some amount of vouchers with your uh with your entry fee basically that you can join some events. So I for me, and maybe it's because I'm a content creator, maybe it's because I just don't really like tournament commander i've never really enjoyed like having prizes on the line i always find that to make the games less of what i want out of commander because i just want the the social experience and have a good time i don't have to think about winning i don't want to have to think about splitting up prize tickets or anything like that i just want to have a good time with people that's what commander is about for me so maybe i'm in a unique situation because like you said like it's very easy for me to get games. People uh, people are lining up and waiting to to play games. If anything, I wish I could play more games. That's my problem. Is that there's not enough time in a day at the at the hall to get in enough games with everyone that I want to play a game with. Uh, so maybe it's just a unique thing to me, but for me, I would rather see people pay their entry fee and just everyone hang out and have a good time and not have to worry about the tickets and stuff, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm in the minority in that one. I mean, I, I don't think the tickets are bad and it are harmful in any way. I think uh, just because like it's nice you get just something for free. Even e I liked how they just gave everybody tickets. I think 
the issue is the quantity of tickets. Yeah, so we're able to get hang out enough, basically. Yeah, yeah. Were you able to get anything yeah, off the like, prize wall? Let's say you just played the events and you got, you know, average results. You just got the bare minimum tickets. Like, what would you walk away yeah. with? Would you walk away with some uncommon on the prize wall? Like, full-size <laughs> life Jace figure? Like, what, what do you walk away with on average? Did you get anything, Crim? Well, I, well, okay, so I gave all my tickets out, right? If, if we played a game, I usually just gave my tickets out. Um, and just because I knew that the tickets were scarce, right? But I, I, like, from what I saw at the wall, I probably could have walked away with a few double feature, like, singles. Um, but that was about it. But, like, it sounds like, oh, wow, just a double feature, but it was, like, double feature, like, Vanquish of the Hordes and things like that, right? So, like, popular commander cards, but I wouldn't walk away with too much. I'd probably walk away, if I played the whole weekend, I probably would have walked away with a couple of singles. But it, but there were like there there's other things right there were oversized cards there were all those things that you'd normally see at a gp prize wall i think you just need more tickets dispersed uh because i think the the problem here is that yeah i think tournament runners tos uh need to factor in how much time a game will take uh when it comes to commander um so and and like much like richard said it it is or pointed out it is true right like for me, I was able to get uh, like pods going all weekend, right? Uh, much like Seth, I really I felt really bad I wasn't able to get a pod in with everyone. So if you're listening, I I I I know I wanted to get a game with you, and I wanted to game with so many of you, and I apologize for missing it. But um, like yeah, like it was cool going over to the like on demand because I wanted to see what that was like, right? And they just threw me in a random pod. With it, like, just like, are you casual? Or are you CDH? Right? And I was like, I definitely don't have CDH. Threw me in a casual pod, uh, and then I, I just pretty much saw, like, got to play with people who don't know anybody, right? Like, they didn't, they don't know anybody, and we, we got to know each other on the game. And you know, a lot of magic is the random interaction and socializing that you get, right? And I like that. I really like the idea of just randomly throwing people together. And sure, why not get a few tickets? Uh, get, get some chunks of tickets, uh, for meeting new people. It was fun. So I really like that part of, uh, how the tournament would just arrange pods, but just more tickets need to be dispersed because as I said, if I spent a whole weekend, I'd probably walk away with two singles. So, so to put this in a little, just a tiny bit of context, uh, it's, I believe it's 80 prize wall tickets. I'm, I'm looking at the website to get 80 prize wall tickets for a two round casual game. So like 40 per game. And it doesn't matter if you yep. win, you lose just for playing. You're going to get the tickets. And yeah. then to get like one of the new pre cons, I believe was started off at like three or 400 tickets, although the price went up as they started to run out. So right. you would have to do what? Eight, 16, 24, 32. If you, you'd have to do like four, four or five, probably two round tournaments to get enough tickets to get like one of the new pre-cons essentially. And a booster box would be more than a pre-con. I think it was five or 600 tickets somewhere yep. in there to get a booster box. So considering that the rounds are 75 minutes and I heard a lot of people saying the rounds went to time. And if you're doing like the pre-release, you also have drafting and building or, uh, you know, sealed building on top of that, uh, then it's even longer. So I think, I think you're right. Like, I don't know if the prize payout is bad. The problem is commander just takes such a long time. If there was any criticism I heard 
about the pre-release events for Commander Legends 2, which everyone seemed to love the format. So many people spoke highly of it, but I didn't end up doing one because a lot of people said it just takes really long. Like I, you got to commit four hours to do a single one of these. And I just didn't end up doing one, even though I had a voucher to do one for free. I ended up giving it away because I just didn't feel like I could commit that amount of time. I could play so many more casual games and meet so many more people if I wasn't doing the event. So I think maybe maybe they need to just take the time into consideration more, that the rounds are longer, the format's slower. So I, I think that's maybe the direction to head. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, I think it was great. It was an amazing event, right? Wait, quick question. How long was a round? Like, how long was an expected <laughs> game 70, supposed to take? 75 minutes was the timer Ooh. for for the actual events. Yeah. you got to shuffle and fetch? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to do like, combat math in 75 minutes? You crazy? <laughs> yeah. And, and like the only, like they, the games often went for way longer that they were pushing like two hours, right? So I wonder if people just dropped out of the event. Like, this game is so good. We're just going to drop out of the event so we can finish this game, right? We got to see a real conclusion. Uh, so yeah. here, here, here's a question for you guys What was the metagame like? You know, was everyone like, you know, try hard sweaty playing like omnath like brea whatever like yidra's wheels was everyone playing birds and pre-cons like how did you feel like the general power level <laughs> metagame so <laughs> so again this might be different for me because i think everyone associates me with jank and they want to show me their like cool deck that's doing like their cool thing but i saw a ton of different power levels i had a lot of people that just wanted to play like their their cool personal favorite deck that meant a lot to them that's trying to do like some cool thing then there were also people that had you know pretty competitive decks as well so i felt like i could i could find games of pretty much any power level from like pretty much straight up pre-cons or like slightly upgraded pre-cons to CDH games going on pretty consistently. But I saw a lot of really cool decks. I think that was my main experience is a lot of people would like, I just love this deck. It's not very good, but it does this cool thing. And I really want to play a game with you and like show you maybe this is a game where it's going to go off. So for me, it was pretty much like mid powered to maybe even lower powered overall. I, I've played against so much uh, stuff. Yeah, like I saw... Lots of people like who, who were like, Hey, I, I, I listen to you, Krim. And, and like they board wiped me out of an aggro deck. I'm like, thank you. You do board wipe. <laughs> like, and, and like I was playing against control decks. I was playing against, I played against other Xander decks. Um, and it was just so much fun seeing, uh, all, all these like a lot, a lot of playing games with a lot of interaction. So for those that listen to the podcast and have, taking my words and all that thank you because <laughs> it was awesome but the only thing was i think one of the most hilarious games i had was i i uh reanimated somebody's notion thief and then i write a replication their consecrated sphinx and then when we both realized that i was about to draw my whole deck and die <laughs> on accident <laughs> i couldn't help but laugh that was so funny <laughs> That was so funny. And, and yeah, so like there was power levels all over the place. And I think one of the best decks that I played this weekend was my Evelyn deck. Uh, Shivam actually played against it and laughed hysterically and he thought it was a great deck because Evelyn was vampires that also scaled to the table because it stole your cards. So it was as powerful as whatever you were doing. Otherwise, I was just a vampire deck. So I don't know. I played against pretty much mid. Uh, like, 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 uh, I would say if you were to want to assign one of those numerical numbers, it'd be somewhere between like six to eight. Um, and, and another thing, what, 
Yeah, it was it was really cool. And another thing was like I think Sunday before I left for the airport, uh, the first pod of the day was one of the most stacked pods ever. It was me, Shivam, and Brad Nelson, and and uh, uh, I he I I forgot their name. I apologize, but Seth, they said they played you, and you told them that you like tons of people came to me because you were they were saying oh Seth thinks that you know like Seth was saying this is a perfect crim deck so I had to play you <laughs> and so they brought this Esper Aloro control deck over and I loved it it was beautiful <laughs> even though they void rendered my Narset before it was going to ult um but yeah like and the first morning pot it was like it, it was like Brad Nelson there and then I got to see Corey Baumeister you know like it was just cool seeing the SCG people uh, and then seeing Brad Nelson get into Commander along with Corey. And it was hilarious playing games with them. So the meta was awesome. Uh, it, it was just cool playing with so many people. So speaking of famous yeah, that- people, you know, when we go to a Grand Prix, we, we, we try to like slide in beside LSV and like try to sneak a signature or like try to get them with like, you know, whatever in our 60 card formats. Yeah. What what was like the, the makeup of the crowd? Was it just all casual people? Uh, fans of commander was it like pros turned into commander was it commander content creators like who who was there like who could you expect to see cosplayers maybe so yeah so scd brought in a lot of people there was a pretty big pod uh a pretty big uh, cosplay crew there was a ton of different commander content creators ranging from pretty casual people like shivam's super casual he does casual magic that's his that's his whole thing uh, and people like us who do commander clash to full-on playing with power cdh uh, type of players so there was a really nice crew there and then there was just a ton of just magic fans of all different varieties i ran into people who are like i'm here to like play my CDH deck and that's what they were doing I ran to people that were like this is my first ever fest I started uh, I started playing magic during the pandemic I played online I played on spell table you know I've been working on this deck this is the first time I've ever got to go out and do one of these I'm super excited it's gonna be super fun so it was really a, a huge variety and then there were also there weren't a ton of what I would consider pros like people I've seen play on the pro tour it was much more commander focused but there was some like Brad Nelson was there I believe playing his first ever commander games I think he played his first first yeah. commander games at the event and i i got to talk to brad we went out to dinner with some people one night and it was really cool to get his perspective on the format as someone who's coming from the pro community and one of the things he mentioned to me that i thought was really interesting is it, it reminds him of some of his favorite parts of being on the pro tour because he said the thing is really like uh, sometimes the preparing for the pro tour and the gameplay of the pro tour that's not really the best part that takes a lot of work there's a lot of variance you can work for a month to get your deck and then draw badly and just scrub out and you're really you know it's a bummer but he said this reminds me of the best parts of the pro tour which is a gathering it's going out and hanging out with all my friends after the event at night those were my favorite parts of the pro tour and it seems like what commander is is kind of that all the time like that's the whole idea of the format so it was it was really interesting to to see that comparison and get that perspective from someone who has played a ridiculous amount of magic and reached the absolute highest level, but is just experiencing the commander format for the first time. So I think I learned that there is something in commander, even for someone I would consider to be incredibly spiky, like a top level hall of fame level pro. So it's really interesting to see that group kind of learning about the format and finding what they like in the format. All right. So that's the official part of the con now for the real part uh after hours in the in the the wild city of richmond give give, give me the best give me the best command best richmond after hours stories 
<laughs> Seth, you went to bed like I think pretty early almost every night, right? Oh, by by maybe by your standards. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I went yeah. by like midnight or something, but which I guess is pretty early uh, in the crib world. But for me, that's like that's like that's three p.m. My bedtime. My time. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our, a little late for best, Seth, man. Yeah, yeah Seth seriously. and I had a wild late night dinner at I think nine p.m. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, the I was like, yeah, was, and that was it. Our, our, no, Seth. Seth and I went out at 9 p.m. and I remember thinking, yo, Seth is out late at night. This is kind of wild right now. Like, this is like like Seth's 2 a.m. or something like that, 4 a.m. But uh, well, we we went to Secret Sandwich Society, right? And and we walked we, through it. Oh my god, pouring, I showed right? up. Yeah, it was the two. We got we got weather right. Like like from California, I experienced weather right. I I got off the plane. I had this thick, humid heat. And I was wearing black, all black, and you know, and also I, I remembered, I'd forgotten. I was like, I, I'm, I'm on my flight after dealing with a bunch of canceled things, right? Like canceled flights all over the place. And I finally, I'm, I'm going through the airport. I landed Detroit for my connecting flight to, uh, Richmond. Somebody calls out to me, Krim, and it's, it's Daniel, uh, Daniel Holt from Watsi. And I'm like, oh my God, Scott Larrabee. Like, hey, how you, like, I was like, how did y'all even notice me? It's like, you're the only guy in this airport with blue hair. And I'm the like, hair, oh yeah, that's hair. right. <laughs> yeah. No, my, the blue hair in Richmond is less, is, is very, uh, uh, I would say it sticks out a little bit more than the week before where I was at an anime convention <laughs> where I blended in. Right. And then, and then at night, we had this pouring rain where Seth and I decided we were going to go walk a block, right? It was up like a block maybe for our sandwich spot from our hotel. We got there and we're drenched. It was Soaked. pouring rain. Soaked. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting in my chair, like having a watermark, like, like water trail. <laughs> and like, I'm sitting in my own puddle. I got to go into the bathroom and Seth, I, I, if you're wondering why I was gone for so long, I stood underneath the dryer. That's all I did. <laughs> I like, I crouched up into a ball. I smashed the button and I just stood there and dried. <laughs> I just, I just toughed it out. I won the, yeah. the wet t-shirt contest that night yeah. for sure. It was so, <laughs> I was so wet. Yeah. But that, that was super fun. Actually, some of our, our biggest adventures came before the event because on Friday, the event opened at 10 and we were like, all right, we're going to, yeah. we're going to record Commander Clash podcast before we go to the event because we want to be to the event when it opens. So, t- uh, me and Krim are in the same hotel. Tomer's in his own hotel, like 10 minutes, 10 minute ride away or something. So, Tomer, text me we're gonna meet at crim's room because he has the camera his equipment at eight in the morning i was like oh no there's no no way crim's gonna be up so tomer comes up we go we go knock on crim's door crim is totally totally asleep we got you out of bed you kind of stumbled to the door we get into the podcast it went really well we're like okay we're gonna go down to the vent and crim's like oh I'll, I'll catch up with you in a little bit and then he disappeared for like hours it was like two in the afternoon and me and tomer like where is crim we were texting you and you weren't getting back we thought you would fallen back asleep and then you finally you finally show up to the event and it sounded like you had quite the adventure like leaving your phone somewhere and having to walk miles to get back to target what what went wrong on that morning Grim? okay so i went to target to get water right because mm-hmm. and, and all of that i i get i i get to the i you know i get to target i do my thing and then i get back to the the hotel with all my stuff then i realized I don't have my phone. And then so my phone is somewhere, right? And luckily, uh, I was able to track my phone down, right? And it was 
at the Target. It was at Target. I left it at Target in the uh, like in the uh, like the checkout line. I just I and I remember now I put my phone down as I was checking out all my stuff and I guess I just never picked my phone back up. And then and then like yeah, like and so I had to walk all the way back to Target. All the way back to Target, which was like a 45 to like an hour and a half walk in the heat. And then I Ubered back to the convention center. And then I'm just like sweaty because I've spent all morning looking for my phone. So yeah. who puts their that, phone I down did, I, at the checkout line? Yeah. You're like, I, I'm at Target. I'll just put my phone randomly. <laughs> it's called a pocket crib. You put it back yes, in your pocket. But the cases of water, you know, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to hold the line. So I just immediately pick, I put my phone down. I picked up my water and then I lugged it onto the belt. Right. And then, okay, I guess at some point my phone just never went. I never went back to get it. I was just so excited, so eager to get to everybody on the floor because it was con day, right? Like you've got, you've got the, the jitters. You're excited. You're jumping up and down, whatever, right? Like, sure. Phone, not even, not even a thing I'm thinking about. I just want to get on the floor, look at the singles, play some magic. I apparently get too excited and just ditch my phone. Well, at least we know Richmond's an honest town. Nobody stole your phone. It was there waiting for you when you I, came back. I think Everyone, I think I had warding though on my phone because there were waifu stickers all over it. I was like, I thought, you know, they were like, I'm not walking. I'm not touching. <laughs> no one's no touching that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave it right there. <laughs> I don't want to touch this. I don't know where this has been. <laughs> yeah, like that's why I I think nobody. I'm surprised I didn't walk back and it was just in the exact same spot because no one wanted to touch it. The Richmond itself uh, didn't seem like there was a ton to uh, to do there. They had some good restaurants, uh, but it's a it's a pretty small city. I remember when we were at dinner one night, we asked uh, the the waiter. Like, so what does there do around there? And they, what did they say? Something like, oh, we have a oh. river? There's a river yeah. that you can look yeah. at? Something like that. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, well, that you sounds check out cool. Maybe, Maybe it was we'll a go, very beautiful river. Seth. Maybe we'll go look at the river. <laughs> they they definitely sold it. They're like, I think there's a river. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and some, like, Civil War reenactments. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, those aren't exactly... What I, I'm like thinking of when I'm like, ah, new city, baby, let's go. But, okay, if you ignore that, there's actually like pretty good food. Um, I walked around and I was able to find some pretty good ones, right? We had Korean food. I think that was the first time Seth ever had bulgogi. Uh, and I, I heard it wasn't very, uh, very good though. So Tomer, oh, no, no, Tomer no. insisted that the Korean was like the worst meal he <laughs> ate while we were there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, I think it was probably good because it was the only Korean restaurant. But <laughs> what did, what did I get, Grim? It was a chicken you, dish. What was it actually called? Do you it remember? was a fusion place because you just had chicken katsu, which is a Japanese, I, I think more prominently known in Japanese dish. It uh, was interesting yeah. because the chicken was delicious but it was on top of this big bowl and then the stuff under it was just like various pastes and green vegetables and just like very weird things that part was not as not as good some of that was it like was, a little bit far out for me you, it was like the, the bibimbap, like bibimbap i believe <laughs> yeah yeah i i i like 
I live in K like 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 K Town and whatnot, right? Like so, like it was like pretty much pretty pretty easy to like find you know like good Korean food, right? I live pretty close to K Town. I'm like 40 minutes out, uh, and and like I don't have to drive that far, right? Till like, I get really really good Korean food. Yeah, this is, so, this is weird because Krim, Krim lives in like probably the best Korean food in America. Yeah. And Tomer lives in Toronto, which is also really good Korean food. So if Tomer says it's not good, but Krim says it's good, there's something suspicious I, about I, this. It's not that it's like really good. It's just like it wasn't. Uh, let, let me rephrase, I guess. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't <laughs> bad. Like than I you expected for Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. I think I went in with a very. I, 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 I hate this, but like ever since living in California. The one thing that I, I know is when you live in downtown LA, you can get a lot of good food, right? So you, you, you can waddle on over, like, like I said, like 15, 20 minute, whatever walk or drive, and you could just get some of the best Korean food. So, and then you also have some of the best Mexican food right around the corner, right? So my bar for a lot of these things is kind of low going out, right? So for me, it was like, oh, I thought this was going to be terrible or, but it was actually okay. <laughs> the one thing I thought was not okay though, was the boba was some of the worst boba I've ever had. I was going to ask you, how was oh, the boba? It, it was, Did you well, even find a, was it, was it like a Jamba juice? Did you even find no, a boba yeah. this, this was not just boba though, right? It was like a boba cocktail. Yeah, it was boba and Kahlua, right? And, what? okay. And, and okay. The Kahlua was great. The boba, like, I remember I, I, I had the boba, I look around, you know, me, Tomer, and, and Daniel, we make eye contact, and we're like, oh, this is, uh, this is an, yeah, this exists, this is an experience, <laughs> for sure. That's all we can say. And, like, I noticed, like, before Tomer gave me his drink, <laughs> he, got, he couldn't even finish it. I was like, Tomer, you seem to perfectly have dodged every boba in your drink. Is this intentional? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he he's just like just try it Krim. and I I I I, ta- I consume one of the tapioca pearls and I immediately look over at Tomer I'm just like oh yeah I don't want any more of the pearls <laughs> it was like imagine this they thawed it out of the freezer just barely the texture was it was almost as if it was like you had microwaved frozen mashed potatoes and it wasn't fully thawed like, like it, it was a very weird texture. But other than that, uh, there was really good sandwiches. Uh, they made great pickles. I, I know you're not as pickle guy, Seth, but my God, they like it. You could tell the pickles were fresh. I Krim, like yeah, Krim, Krim was gushing over the pickles when we went to the secret sandwich shop. Yeah, the, yeah. The pickles, pickles bit, they look really fresh? good. I'm confused. Well, okay. You get, like, they're not supposed to be fresh, but like That's the way they're... <laughs> right, 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 right. But like the way they're made, you could tell like it was like they do it in house. Oh, no, okay, now I got to ask I gotta ask Seth. Is this East Coast <laughs> Deli, Seth? Is, this, is Krim correct here? Was this good? <laughs> It it was it was pretty good. It was it was not it was not bad. I'm not really a pickle fan, so I can't speak to the pickles itself. But I got a, a chicken sandwich, and maybe not quite East Coast deli good without but pickles. Was, by the way, yeah. you got that. <laughs> that's that's true. I gave you my pickle, but it was it was good. It was it was pretty good. I will say my favorite men, uh, meal though was actually we went to a place called. Lily Pearl Lily. and it was yeah Lily Pearl. It, and that was ah oh, their food was really good they did like kind of 
traditional american stuff southern stuff like, i had fried chicken and oh my goodness oh. it was so like fried chicken Seth and corn no. and mashed potatoes oh delicious you i mean yeah like that probably that does sound really good but like i i had the shrimp grip grits and lobster Ooh, how and was that that was primo they had this amazing orange sauce and i was like yo brad you gotta try this because i'll sit next to brad uh, and, and, and and like and Brad tried it out and he's like, okay, that's good grits. Corey, who doesn't like grits, liked the grits. So um, yeah. I I gotta ask you something, Richard, because you also were from Canada. Tomer, Tomer was there this weekend. He did not know what cornbread was. Is that a thing that people <laughs> don't know? He had his first ever <laughs> cornbread experience. I thought that was just a, a normal thing that everyone knew about, but cornbread doesn't exist in, in Canada, apparently. I feel that's accurate, actually. I feel I didn't eat cornbread until I moved to the United States. And, like, okay. you know, yeah, like, the different cornbreads here, like, the sweet, like, the non-sweet and stuff. Like, I don't think we ever had that in Canada. Uh, so I would... I would buy that, but he also didn't like understand chicken fried steak or something. So I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure he, about was, this. he was. <laughs> he was also amazed by the concept of creamed corn. He corn obviously I, I he knew what it was. Maybe Tomer's never eaten barbecue. I'm sure you can get cornbread in Toronto if you looked for it, but maybe it's not as common because like he's just listing barbecue foods, right? And yeah, maybe he just hasn't yep. had American barbecue. Oh, uh, so any any other thoughts on the event stuff at all? Like it it was oh. super fun. I had a blast. Thanks to seriously, thanks to everyone who came up and played games and said hi. I'm already looking forward to the next one. Like it was just it was an awesome time. I had a blast. Yeah, I mean, I I I I loved it so much. I almost want to go to the Bellevue one, but like, <sighs> how like, far is that for you? That's like an hour. That's <laughs> an hour flight. Sorry, an hour Wait, flight. What? So <laughs> like yeah, Bellevue, Seattle, Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope it's Bellevue, Washington, unless <laughs> it's, it's another one. Yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> it's like literally the other side of the country for Seth. Probably two connections yeah. for you. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a long one for me, but close one for for you guys. Yeah, like for for Richard and I, I think that's like an hour, two hour flight tops. So like, I I, I would love to go to that, but I I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see. Uh, and yeah, like I, I just want to say that the event was really well run. Um, thanks to SCG for having me out. Uh, and one last thing was like there was a random act of kindness towards the last day. Somebody ran up to me and knew I was looking for Elder Brain and gave me their foil Elder Brain. And I want to say thank you to that because now Oops. I, I have one for all my decks. Speaking of speaking of shout outs, uh, so I uh, they had a mask requirement. You talked about that earlier. So I went I had kind of like medically masked because I I didn't realize you can't just buy masks a lot of places anymore. I tried to go shopping around here for masks before I left and they were just like, no, we got like the medical ones in the pharmacy. So I had like these medical ones and they don't work very well with a beard. Like I was wearing them and they do the job, but the beard like gets caught under them and gets in your mouth and it's just they're they're not designed for beard. So, oh, oh yeah. I, I, I totally so understand because I forgot I'm forgetting this person's name, but there was someone who had a beard mask, which intentionally like goes down what? long and covers your beard. It's a it's a mask that's actually made for people with, with big beards. And they had an extra one. So on day two, they were like, hey, I got this one. It was back in my room. I had a backup. I just wanted to give it to you. So the the second day of the event was so much better because because of this mask, it was just so much more comfortable. The beard could breathe a little bit. It you know, wasn't getting caught in my mouth. So huge shout out for uh, the person whose name I can't remember that gave me the beard mask. That really saved, saved the beard this weekend for sure. I learned something new. You should have asked her for his beard mask. 
Yeah, like yeah. why didn't you ask me? Yeah, where's my your mom? where's your beard mask, Graham? <laughs> well, I all of my masks are, are are very friendly towards my beard, so it worked out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so moving moving on to a couple of quick magic topics outside of the event this weekend, uh, Krim, There was a kind of an interesting Pioneer deck that performed well recently. What deck was that? Uh well, so yeah, like this past weekend, I believe there was a Pioneer challenge. And I was mind blown by it because, so the top four, I believe, was like blue white, blue white, Rakdos mid, right? We, we assume those were going to be there, but it was won by Grawl Ramp, piloted by SG Cyrus, uh, who I, I actually believe I've, I've hung out with before. Uh, and it's just green, red ramp. I hate it. It's absolutely miserable. <laughs> it's which means it must be doing something right because it dis- it won against the blue white decks, right? It's playing Dragon Lord Atarka, Cavalier of Thorns, Worldbreaker, Emrakul Promised End, Ugin, and all it's doing is doing my least favorite thing in Magic, which is cultivating Nissa's Pilgrimage, right? Cards like Aboreal Grazer, Aboreal four twenty Aboreal Graze it, you know, and then you've got. <laughs> You've got all these like absurd, it's just big mana spells. It's like, yes, counter me, but I'm going to eventually stick a big threat. And this was a deck that I hadn't seen in a long time. And it, it oh my God, I'm so surprised this won, but I think this was like a really good meta call, right? Like nothing of yours gets fatal pushed either. So, so like, yeah, you can thought seize me, but like, so like the, the Rakdos deck can, which is a really popular deck. I don't know how they remove any of your threats once they resolve. Yeah, the deck looked really sweet. I haven't seen Dragonlord Atarka in quite a while. This has the full four Dragonlord Atarkas, and it's just all in on ramping. Like, it is it is trying to get that big stuff really quick. So it's definitely cool to see something pretty new in the Pioneer format that I definitely wasn't expecting. And it ended up coming in first overall. Like, it took down the tournament, and challenges are pretty pretty big events on Magic Online. Not quite, like, uh, qualifier level, but uh, better than League. So it's really cool to see that deck taking off. The other thing that happened this weekend was uh, they had the the first big DreamHack event uh, qualifying for upcoming Pro Tours the beginning of next year. Uh, And that was a modern event. It ended up being won by four-color Yarion Blink, which, that makes sense. There's a lot of those Yarion piles. But I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, Solmolka of uh, the Rock fame like in the 90s that created the original rock deck came in second playing uh playing jund still almost almost rocking it out and having success in the format which is really sweet and there was also just a straight up like boomer jund deck in the top eight so is it is it time richard for jund to be a thing again in modern is that what this means if you, by jund you mean like ragavan into bobbles <laughs> and pyrite spell bombs sure <laughs> so not the- not boomery enough that's not boomer at all <laughs> That's, 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 that's too, there. that's there's too There's go- I saw some goifs. So, so there, the fourth think- place, fourth place is a is a more traditional one. Uh, and the, the interesting thing is River Tears Charm. Uh, I know I poo pooed it when we talked about it, but it turns out to be really good because instant speed graveyard hate uh, is actually needed in modern. But yeah, I mean, you know, John players when their win percentage goes from forty to forty one, they're like, yes, we're back, we're back in the yeah, meta, we <laughs> yeah, <it>. right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Jun's back. Yeah. Jun's back every set release, by the way. Like, I've, I've heard Jun's back on the menu <laughs> for, you, you, by you, the Jun faithful. Just mulligan away the Tarmogoyce and get the Ragavans. <laughs> That's what you do. But yeah, I mean, 
Jund is playable, right? That's all we need. As long as Jund is playable, there will be like these hardcore people that spent way too much money on their decks and they need to play them still. So they come with the Tarmogoyfs and, uh, <laughs> you know, 40%, you just, you just put, you chain enough of them together and you can top eight. Okay. So it's doable. <laughs> yeah. Like if you look at DreamHack Dallas, there's so many Jund decks. I mean, people have been Lord. waiting for years for Paper Magic to come back just so they can, just so they can jund them out. <laughs> no one's going to afford the new card, a... so you just bring your old Jund decks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jund is, jund is the budget deck now in a world of four-color Yarkham piles. You, you're looking at like, wow, it's only 1300 Jeez. All right. That's hilariously <laughs> that sad. Oh, my God. You're right. Jund is the, like, Jund is the budget option? Oh, my God. <laughs> I gotta say it was a good, it had to be a good weekend for Paper Magic. That might be the most exciting thing. There was a big DreamHack Dallas, Paper Magic qualifiers, heading towards Pro Tours, Command Fest are back. So I think that's exciting. Like, it's been, what, two years, three years now? It's been a while since we've had Paper events. So I'm I'm super happy that they're back. And I'm not even a, someone who primarily plays Paper Magic, but it just seems, it, it seems like really good news. And people were just so thrilled to be able to get out and play Magic and have the gathering. Like, everyone's been missing the gathering over the last couple of years, and it was really cool to have that aspect, which is just so important to the game, and actually have that happen in, like, multiple places. And it seems like everyone just had a really, really good time, whether you're playing Commander in Richmond or qualifying, you know, in Modern down in Dallas at DreamHack. So that's definitely uh, super exciting. One other one other question for you. This one's from Aaron Forsyth. He brought this up on Twitter, and I'm curious where both of you come down on this. So the question is basically, if you bought a booster box recently, what did you buy? Set booster, collector booster, draft booster, and why? Do you guys have a preference as far as booster boxes? I feel like this has been going on for a while now that Watsi is like trying to figure out what boosters to make. Uh, they push set boosters for a while, but I don't know. Where where are you guys at with the booster box question? Well, for for me at least, I like the set boosters. Uh or or whatever one is the new one where they they change the order. That's the set booster, right? With the, the list. Draft yeah, booster. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I like the set boosters because, uh, Seth, you might remember me talking about this over the weekend, but, um, I like that magic is trying to go a little bit along the Pokemon route. Uh, and if, cause it feels like the way Pokemon makes, like, kind of like makes their packs is it's catered towards the box opening content, right? Uh, like you get, you get all the fun, all the, like the, the flashy, right? And, and, uh, Magic now is making tons of borders. Now they're putting cards in certain orders, right? So, like, it, they're trying to emulate the, the box opening magic of, 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 like, what you could experience while opening Pokemon packs. So, I, I like that. I, I mean, personally, I don't draft, so I don't, I mean, maybe if I was a limited player, I'd care more, but I never draft. I care about how much fun my packs are. Um, I do think that there are still some things Magic can do there in that department, but like I like that they're working towards it. Uh, and and yeah, like I I just I want I I, I want it to feel as fun as how I op open Pokemon packs. Like I don't buy Pokemon singles; I buy packs only. Whereas Magic, I buy singles only, and I don't open packs except for so what when I do. I open set boosters. Do you like collector boosters then? Because collector boosters have the most as far as treatments and foils and different things going stuff from commander decks like you can get all kinds of stuff in there or are those just like is that a price thing that they're like so expensive that it's not worth it yeah it's a price thing right like i can spend four dollars on a pokemon pack and have the time of my life like i would have to pay thirty dollars 
for a collector's booster pack, right? Uh, or, or, or 40, I don't know, whatever it is now to get, to get somewhat close to that. And on top of that, it's always just a bunch of random, like, it's like, I like that it could be from a commander deck. I just don't like that I have to concern about what card is going to be a Pringle or not. So I, I would rather just open the set booster. Cause like, have you looked at how I think foils now? Or it's almost like worse <laughs> that you opened a foil <laughs> price wise. Like it is, yeah. it, it, it cost me more money to buy a non foil box topper thought sees than it would to buy a foil one. Yeah. Paper, paper magic finally catching up to Moto. <laughs> Moto yeah. players have known that for, for years. <laughs> the foils are the cheapest version that no one actually wants. Yeah. <laughs> but that is kind of happening because there's so many of them now in collector's boosters. What yeah. about you, Richard? What, what what boosters do you want? So I only buy singles because I know too much to open magic boosters. Like when I open boosters from a game I don't know, like let's say I get like Final Fantasy TCG boosters, right? I know nothing about the game. <laughs> Opening is so exciting, right? You open it, it's like a common. You're like, oh my god, it's cloud, right? Oh my god, it's a buster sword or whatever. You're like, it's amazing. <laughs> With magic, you're like, all right, common storm packs trash. You skip all the commons, you skip all the uncommons. You just <laughs> you get disappointed 99% of the packs, and then that one pack has a $200 card, and you're like, okay, this was worth. Or you don't get that pack, and yeah. like this whole box was bust. So I actually get no enjoyment out of opening packs in, in magic. Uh, I only open packs from games I don't know where you can get so happy opening like a five cent card because it's like your favorite character. Right. But magic is like, yes, Liliana's whatever, whatever. It's like five cents next. Right. So I actually don't open packs, but I think you're supposed to open set boosters. That's what Watsy wants you to open, because if you're not playing draft, there's no point for draft boosters and collector boosters are too expensive so they're focusing on you buying set boosters as a normal booster pack yeah i think i don't really know what the point is of opening draft boosters unless you're drafting like it seems like there's not really much of a purpose for them if you're just cracking packs you might as well just get the set boosters i think they're very slightly more expensive or you get slightly fewer packs in your box for roughly the same price but i still think it's worth it you get more rares you have all the different slots so i think it's it's just strictly better as far as uh pack cragging i do like collector boosters though i know they're expensive i know it's a bad idea to open them i'm kind of like richard in that way like every time i buy a booster i know it's a losing proposition but i still <laughs> just really love opening them and collector's boosters you get a lot of just really cool cards and one of the upsides is like you do get, I know with like Kamigawa, the, the full art foil lands, they looked really good. A lot of people were playing the Kamigawa basic lands in their commander decks this weekend. And you're like guaranteed to get two of those, I think, in a collector booster. So there's a nice floor with collector boosters, even though you might end up whiffing on high end stuff and losing a bunch of money because they're so expensive. It is nice that yeah, you're always going to get something. It's hard to come away from opening a collector booster without getting at least some card that you really like when with set boosters or draft boosters. You can't just open a dud pack that has, like, nothing exciting in it at all. So I do really like that aspect of collector boosters. I don't know if that's going to hold true for double masters with just how ridiculously expensive they're going to be for that set. But for a normal set, I think I'd rather open, like, one collector booster for $25 than, like, I don't know, four set boosters for the same price. Really? I, I figured you want to, like, open for as long as possible to milk that high. But you just got to go, like, one big... Yeah. One big booster all in. Pack. We're all in. <laughs> Push all the chips in the middle of the table, crack oh, it open. Yeah. I have an alpha <laughs> starter deck for you if you <laughs> Oh my god. That's that's a little too high end for me, I think. 
Uh, all right. Any any other thoughts before we get to some fish mail? All right, Richard, fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail on Twitter, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, Berdina Racecar has Morrow's Not Every Product Is For You Come True. I found I no longer look at each spoiler, but skim the modern legal sets for things that may be good instead. Commander and other supplementary products just don't pique my interest anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it has come true. I think that it's still... Uh, I think you know, Wizards, I think, figured this out, too, because they don't really say it anymore. But not a great slogan from a marketing perspective, <laughs> but I do think it really is... It really is true at this point. you got to just prioritize what's interesting for you because we have so many sets. Like, we just finished Streets of New Capenna, and we're right in the middle of Commander Legends, and now I think we're, like, a week or two away from Double Masters, and there was people, like, opening Double Masters cards, maybe, apparently, and some of their (laughs) Commander Legends packs was the thing that came up on Reddit this week. Like, but I don't know. They're they're printing so many sets, it seems like they're mixing together at the printers sometimes (laughs) because they're printing them all at the same time. So, So, yeah, there's so many sets. I don't think there's any way you can uh, appreciate everything. Five years ago, ten years ago, you could care about every single set, but now I think you do got to pick and choose a little bit based on what format you like or whatever. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, full agree, full agree. Like now, I I get it, right? Like also probably like financially, I, I know that not every product can be for me, right? Like the, there's there's no way I can keep up, um, and I I'm okay with that. Like there's just some things I don't care about, like the. The standard sets are are great, uh, but like some of the more of the supplemental stuff, I'm like not really sure. I don't buy them all anymore. The only ones I and like I don't even buy every secret layer anymore. I just buy the ones that I really like, uh, and then I just seek out the singles later for the secret layer. Um, so yeah, I I assume that more things will just keep coming out, and like one of, one of the things coming out is the Warhammer thing, right? And I'm only gonna buy a few singles. I don't think I'm gonna buy anything else from that. I. I- I'm running, out of, I'm running out of brain capacity. Like, I can't even finish spoiler season. Like, each card is so complicated. There's so many cards. I just get tired and stop reading them. And I'm like, okay, I'll just yeah. read the top five posts on Reddit. Those those cards must be good, right? Or the, better yet, sort those of Those are the ones that matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? But, like, there's just so many cards. Like, uh, Baldur's Gate Commander Precons. Like, I'm theoretically interested in Commander cards, but... Coming off like back to back previous seasons, like I don't have enough brain capacity to keep looking at cards. So like I'm like, okay, whatever. Like I'm sure someone will tell me what the good cards are from the set. So that's that's how much stuff we're getting, right? And double masters coming, 40k, like there's just too much stuff. My brain can't handle it. I need I need more brain capacity. The sad thing is you do sometimes miss stuff that you would like, because I think in the case of Commander Legends, we had to play a little bit with the pre-cons, uh, and there'll be a video coming up in the next week or two showing off some of our gameplay with it, but um, they were so good. They were so, yeah. I was blown away. I, I thought they were good, but then playing with them, they were even better than I expected. So if you got to care about one thing from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, I think it's probably right for most commander players to care about the pre-cons over the main set. If you want to draft or whatever, then I think the main set's great for that. But my advice would be get the singles that you want from the main set. And if you're going to focus on something, pick up the pre-cons because I was I was surprised. I played the the dragon one, the is it dragon one. Uh, I ended up with that one and upgraded it just a tiny bit with some random cards that I had brought, maybe five cards I swapped in and out. And it could actually keep up 
at a like random table at Command Fest this weekend. So, so uh, yeah, I, I think those decks are really, really good. But it, it made me think of that because you were talking about like I kind of skipping the Commander precons because I was doing the main set stuff. And I think that's going to hurt Watsi at some point, right? Like if commander players can't even keep up with all the commander products, then this product has gone for you, uh, is not for you, has probably gone a little bit too far. Because I think you need, you need commander players to be able to care about every commander product, right? Or else, or at some point you're just printing too many products. All right. Last question. Xenoblade 16. Why aren't more people playing on tabletop simulator for commander online? It's a one-time purchase of $20, and you can paste a list in from Tapped Out, Moxville, etc., and boom, you're off to the races. There are dice coins and keyword counters included. Uh, probably because people don't know that they could, and I, I'm curious how, like, it runs. Like, I'm does that, yeah, like, does that have every interaction? Like, I, I don't even know. There's no interaction. So table play. It's like cockatrice. I think you just put cards on the table, oh. and like you are expected to execute the game rules, right? Like it's just, oh, it's okay. like paper magic, okay. right? There's no rules engine really, and you're expected to enforce them. Why would you play on tabletop simulator over something like cockatrice, which you can do for free? Like why pay twenty bucks if it's essentially the same thing? Tabletop What's simulator the, is better graphics. <laughs> Okay. You can play other games on tabletop simulator, right? Like, oh, it's just like a VR, literally what it says, tabletop simulator. So you can put anything in and play. Uh, I I think being an unofficial client is the biggest deal, right? Like you're, yes, it's free, but like cockatrice, X Mage, things like those are free. But it's an unofficial client, so there's not as many people. And then also people that play on there have a lot less invested, so they will like instantly scoop or like run out immediately or, you know, not. The worst thing is like enforcing rules on someone who doesn't understand the rules, right? Like they're just playing yeah. wrong, right? And they're like, well, what are you going to do? Like I'm online, you know, like so. So there, there are pros to playing an official an official client. And I think that's the biggest hurdle. And like if Tabletop Simulator ever got big, I think Watsi would shut it down, no? Like... I'm pretty sure there's some IP infringement or something going on here. <laughs> yeah, there definitely yeah. has to be. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the rules engine is, like, relatively important. That is, like, probably the biggest upside of Magic Online and Arena is you're forced to play the right way, and it, like, holds your yep, hand a little yep. bit as you're learning. And uh, if you're an established Magic player, you probably maybe have a Moto account or an Arena account. And if you're a new Magic player... That's probably the direction you should go because it's going to be very difficult to learn the game, I think, playing Tabletop Simulator just because it doesn't have that rules engine built in. All right. So that's all the questions we have time for this week. If you have future questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 384 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a spectacular week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.